Hey friends, welcome to the People Priority Podcast, where we dig into topics that help you show up as your best self for you and your circle of influence. I'm your host, Julie Schneers, a teacher turned speaker, team culture consultant, and leadership growth coach who loves people. Join me here every week for conversations that will motivate, educate, and hopefully just inspire you to grow through the power of communication, connection, and confidence. Because you and your people, you're worth it. Hey guys, today I'm so excited to bring to you Miss Becky Bolio. Did I say it right? I did. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I hate when I mess that up. Becky Bolio, she is a culture coach and a mental edge coach to NCAA and professional sports teams. If that's not enough to impress you, let me tell you a little bit more. She is the owner of Championship Culture Coach LLC, where she has consulted with teams from the University of Illinois, Long Island University, St. Paul. I mean, she's worked with the Minnesota Twins. Just to name a few, this lady gets to work with the coolest teams look at their culture and give them some analysis and some tips and tricks to fix what they want to fix in their space, which I think is so cool. She was previously an NCAA head coach for the past 18 years. She's also a former former licensed psychologist and mental health liaison for her athletic department. As a coach, she's helped lead her team to their first WIAC conference championship in school history. Talk about taking a team and making a turn. She is your lady. Um, She, of course, has also pulled second and third place finishes. Uh, She's very passionate about what she does, which is to fully unlock potential and helping these teams align their vision and values by also looking at their blind spots. So that's what we're going to talk about today is what she gets to do with these teams that we can apply in all of our spaces. Becky, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Julie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And when we connected, it was like instant chemistry. You have a passion for team culture. Uh, and of course I do as well. I, I really want to know blind spots. Can we start there? Because I think that's a, a looming question of you don't know what you don't know. How do you make that fixed? Yeah. Hi, they're blind spots. Uh, so when I do these team culture observations and analysis, and so far, um, just in athletics, there is some thought to move into business uh, down the road, but uh, I'm in athletics now, is really I'm just documenting and observing everything. Mm-hmm. So team culture, to me, it's not what you put on the walls or in your staff handbook. It's your team's way of communicating, interacting, working, really doing life. And taking a snapshot of that at any given moment, you know, over the course of a day, two days, a week. But the blind spots are, uh, you know, sometimes what our leaders, our managers, our head coaches, what they don't see, mm-hmm. you know. So in athletics, it's what's going on on the sidelines. What does yeah. your team look like in the training room or coming out of the locker room? The real stuff, the water cooler talk. Yes. Mm-hmm. The locker room talk. Mm-hmm. What I, I love that you said, it doesn't matter what you have on your walls. How guilty are all of us at trying to make it look pretty on the outside, putting up the right words, making the package look like it is polished and fits, but the inside is not, it's not developed the way it needs to be in order for you to actually exhibit the values you have posted on the wall. 
Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with putting it on the wall, right? No. But are we, are we living? Are we living mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's your best tip on switching that mindset and helping the teams that you work with live it? Yeah. So what we're hearing that's working in 2023, especially mm-hmm. with this younger generation, right? And Ooh, this generation is a good talk. Is in yes. our businesses too, right? Mm-hmm. But um, how much buy-in is there? And if there's not, asking more questions, right? Asking more questions, listening to them. You know, and like I've said to some of the teams that I work with, is it time to re? If there isn't buy-in amongst their people. Is it time to rethink? And I love that word rethink, but is it time to rethink sometimes our mission or our vision or our values and asking our people, what do they value? I love that. And you know, I, I love that you work with athletic teams and I work in the school district and company space and we're both saying the same things. I mean, to me, there are such parallels, right? For sure, because it's still a team. And I didn't really get that until I was submerged into this world. When I started speaking, I thought, I know I told you this, I thought, well, I'll probably just speak in the education space because that's what I know. And I get hired nine times out of 10 by companies who are trying to run a a team, just like your coaches are trying to run a team to work towards a goal because you're so right. It's very similar. It's all the same. It's still getting a group of people to think the same and work the same towards a goal that you hope everybody can be on board for. Um, okay, so getting people on board for that same goal and buy-in. I think buy-in, it makes my ears perk up. I know that I've had that conversation with so many leaders of, one, how do I get my people to buy-in? But also, two, How do I get these younger people I'm employing that do not think like me, who do not, in my mindset, work like me or, right? I've heard that more times than I can count. Do you ever struggle with with the the age gap with the teams that you work with and kind of, okay, so how do you, I see you nodding your head, yes. How do you smooth that over and how do you help connect uh, that generation gap? Yes, yes. And I think... um... That this younger generation, they want to be led different than when we grew up and even honestly five years ago, right? So when I felt resistance as a head coach, um, just to take a step back and like I said, to ask more questions Mm. and listen. And if our people are involved in the process, right? Like you say, invest in your people and the people priority, right? That if they're invested and a part of the process, they're going to buy in mm-hmm. more, right? It, it's really their team. So I think in 2023, it's making our businesses mm-hmm. and our athletic teams and our schools their team. Mm-hmm. Which I love that you say team. Also, of course, you're an athletic coach. It's in your vocabulary. But I am, I'm a huge believer of You've got to see your people as your team. And of course, we've all heard there's no I in team, but how do you how do you make your team a team is first coming up with that mentality of we are a team and we're going to work together. And that that doesn't matter if you're you're talking about your home life. Like if if me and my kids and my husband are a team, well, then it's not just do what I say and not as I do. It's not like I told you so. It's we've got to be in this together. And I think even that mindset shift 
it's just thinking through the idea of we are a team. So leaders who struggle with, but I'm in charge, that does mean looking at it differently. I love that you said asking more questions and listening. Yeah, there's a Division II football team out of Minnesota, uh, and they really call it the players team. So the players, you know, if there's some conflict or an issue going on, the players, they uh, roll up their sleeves and they work through that. And then they let their head coach know how they handled it. How interesting. Just flipping it, flipping the script a little. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I do think uh, to some extent, this younger generation, you know, when we talk about you, you need to do what's best for the team you know, this is what's best for the team and you need to do that. And we all need to think this way. Well, what if they don't think right. that way, right? What if they don't? That's okay. That's okay. And how can we still embrace that and hear each other? Okay. So then I'm going to ask you a hard question. Something that I've heard more than once is what if the team mentality is is not what the younger generation wants? What if the younger generation has a self mentality just a little bit. Uh, and, and this is, this is going to sound awful, but I'm going to go ahead and say it so that we can talk through it. Mental health days. I'm an advocate for, if you are struggling, taking care of you is important. Like I, I talk about communication, connection, and confidence is not just about others. It starts with you because if you are okay, it's going to bleed out onto the people around you. So I'm kind of an advocate for, you should advocate for yourself and take a mental health day if that's what you need. But I, I talked to a leader just last week and she said, but I have some people who are like, I need a mental health day every month. What do I do when the idea of team, like we're all struggling, we've got we've to be in this together for the people on our team, for our clients right now, because it's just a tough time. Um, what do you do when there's someone that's kind of sitting in the self zone and having a hard time getting on the team because they grew up in a world of, well, I need to breathe and I need more mental health days. Ah. It's a sticky question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so I think about this a little differently. Okay. But my opinion is that we should meet people where they are. Ah. Right? So meet them where they are. So if someone on your team needs more mental health days than others, but their productivity is still awesome and their output is excellent, let them. Mm. Let them. Right? And so, I mean, I'm a big believer in we before me right? In these teams, but why? Just because it's best for the team. But what if, you know, if we can take on that we before me mentality, because it'll help your own individual sales results. Mm -hmm. What if it'll help your own uh, output on the basketball court? What if, what if, you know, when you invest in the team and you uh, care about your team's culture, your own uh, average points per game goes up by four points or six what points. If? And you won't know if you don't explore the what if. You'll never know if you don't try it and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's what hits home with this younger generation. We before me, but why? Why should they care? Well, here's why. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that a lot. So when I work with finding your focus uh, with teams, one of the things that I do is I walk in and we talk about like, what are your, what's important to you for culture? Like, what are your most important pieces? And we build pillars as a team. It's my very favorite workshop to do. 
uh, and, and making the people on the team voice what's going well, what's not going well. Like you said, what is important to me so that the words on the walls are actually the words that the team came up with together. Uh, I, I think that that's such a fun exercise. What other tools and tricks or exercises do you use uh, that kind of help with that also? That help with what also? Just building those pillars, that team culture. What do you, how do you get everyone into a room and and make it happen? Yeah. So for me, it usually starts with this minute by minute observation. Uh, and this is the first of its kind in athletics. It, mm-hmm. it didn't exist yet. Right. So it's, and, and I think it can work in business too. And mm-hmm. it can work in a school system, right? What if you went into a school, because I realize that's some of your audience, but uh, you know, you sat down in the lunchroom and just documented everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so in athletics, that looks like uh, 1202 athlete comes in the dugout and throws his back. 1203, he sits at the end of the dugout with his head in his hand. 1204, there's five athletes standing in the opening of the dugout watching and cheering on their teammates at bat. Uh, So for us, that's where that starts, right? And then um, there are six traits of a championship culture in athletics. But again, I think these have some parallels into our own cultures within our families and our four Mm -hmm. walls businesses, educational systems. So it's things like uh, clear and compelling vision, you know, values, having a set values, how aligned are our systems and our staff, right? If the principal of one school uh, has set systems that they use, but the vice principal uses some different Mm. systems, you know, I wouldn't check that box that their, their staff and their systems are aligned right? In observing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How committed are, is the team members? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the play-by-play. I know your psychology world brain um, comes into play when you're documenting, which is, I think, what we should all do. I think we should all sit back and not not even be like, I'm known in the room and I'm watching you because I think that's what happens a lot is, well, I'm here to evaluate. Okay, well, great. Now I will put on my dog and pony show, right? Uh, but just to have someone in the background watching and and the fact that it's maybe someone from the outside is I think impactful too. I think that's what's really, really impactful about bringing somebody else in because they don't come with any kind of preconceived notions or hope or, uh, you know, an idea of what administration or leadership wants. They just come in and make observations, but then sitting down and writing, okay, at the water cooler, this is what I heard. And as I walked from office to office, this is how I was or was not greeted. You know, what do you want your culture to be? Uh, and, and if your pillars respect, okay, here's what I saw and didn't see in the space. I think that it's important to sit back and look at it. And if you're going to flip that even to, uh, you know, family teams, if you were to sit and watch, and now this gets scary, right? If you were to sit and watch my family interact last night and make notes on what our culture is like, like my kids are fighting over dinner and I'm, you know, reminding them that we love each other and then and then making threats because <laughs> there will be consequences if you don't stop fighting about broccoli, right? So I, I know that, that it's not all going to be perfect no. no matter what team you're looking at. And in that whatever moment, you might have a hard moment of evaluation, but there's a lot of at least a thought that enters my mind. There's a lot of opportunity in quietly observing 
and questioning and watching and listening and not just saying, oh yeah, you're a family who believes in X, Y, Z, but do you show that? Is that really there? We're a team that believes in respect and success and being for the team. Okay, but do you act like a team? Do you respect each other? I think those are really important questions to ask yourself from an outsider perspective as you sit and evaluate. That might be probably the biggest takeaway right now. Like, how, how can I sit back, shut my mouth, ask questions, and evaluate our team as a whole? I love that. That's so good. Okay, so tell me what else. We've talked a lot about what you get to do with teams. You have so many cool tricks up your sleeve. What's something else? I know you said the six pieces of culture. What's something else that you want to share with us? Uh, we could jump into confidence. Let's do it. I know that's an area of specialty of yours. Mm, I'd love to hear from you on that. Yeah. 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 So I think confidence is a, an action and a choice and a skill that can be developed. Yes, it's also a feeling. But rather than waiting for the feeling to show up, you know, are there some things that we can do to help build that skill? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I believe there is. Uh-huh. Let's hear them. What are they? Yeah. Okay. So um, wh- number one is where do we put our focus, right? And if we walk into a meeting or we walk in to give a speech, right, or a speaker, Uh, But do we put our focus on uh, things that are outside of our control? So, you know, what does a manager do? What is the temperature? The temperature in the room isn't my go-to or the lighting, right? Or I feel uh, irritated that my coworker is doing this. But I think each time that we put our energy and our focus into things that are outside of our control, it takes a a little bit away of our own greatness and our confidence. So just really putting our focus on things that are within our control. That's perfect. And and of course, impactful, right? When you're thinking through, if you're focusing on the person across the hall from you that you can't stand, yeah, your whole day could be ruined by her negative attitude if she's your focus. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or in athletics, it's things like, uh, you know, focusing on the referee Mm. or the umpire or the lineup, right? I don't have control over the umpire. There's going to be a referee or an umpire that's going to make bad calls or or calls that I don't agree with this weekend. There is next weekend and there's the weekend after that. So what I have control over is how I react and respond to it. So I'm. it's like I'm ready for all of those things. That's so good. Yeah. Oh, okay. What else? Okay. okay. Um, yeah, focus. So the second thing, in my opinion, uh, that can help us gain the skill of confidence is our own self-talk. Yes. Uh, oh, I could not agree more with you on that. Yes. Yeah. And there's times in life where we should talk to ourselves rather than listen to ourselves. And I heard this story uh, as actually in a newspaper article. And the interview was uh, with PJ Fleck, who is the University of Minnesota Gophers head football coach. But he was talking about in this newspaper article a friend of his and a mentor of his, Dr. James Gills. And he's in his 60s and he runs a double triathlon. So on Saturday, he gets up and he runs a triathlon, goes to bed. And on Sunday, he gets up and he runs another triathlon. And in his 60s, he says, uh, you know, if I were to listen to myself, 
then I would think on Sunday morning that I'm too old and I'm too sore and I can't do this. Mm. Right. But if I talk to myself that I'll think I can, I can put one foot in front of the other and I can do hard things and my body is stronger sometimes than my mind. So I've got this and I'm going to move forward. So just like our self-talk and there's times in life where we should talk to ourselves rather than listen to ourselves, and maybe even put a script in our phone. Right. In case you yeah. just can't find the words. They're pre-written when your head was in a good space. Insert here when you can't. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious, do you use self-talk before you go speak? Oh my gosh. That's a great question. Well, one of the things I talk about is having an attitude of affirmation. Like, what does it look like? And how do you, how do you communicate with your own head and heart is one of the things that I talk about in communication with self. But then of course, having the correct way in your brain, which is similar to what you're talking about with listening versus talking to yourself. I love that. I'm stealing that. I'm going to put that in my pocket for me to remember. But having an attitude of affirmation is not affirming uh, I'm going to be the best basketball player there ever was because, you know, jokes on me. I never really played. I wasn't that good outside of like small select teams. So if I started affirming this wish that I had that didn't have experience or work ethic or right talent behind it, I am going to be disappointed. And then, then I'm just going to never believe in affirmations again. So I affirm and I'm, I'm a huge believer in, it doesn't have to all be there. You don't have to have everything I don't have to feel 100% about that speech. I don't have to feel like I'm going to knock this out of the park. What I have to feel and tell myself is I know that I prepared for this. I'm excited about the group of people that I'm going to get to make a difference in front of. And, and I'm prayerful about the difference that it does make in their lives. And that's what I know. Kind of what you talked about, like, what's your focus? What can I control? I can't control if my technology fails in the middle of my speech. Like mm -hmm. I can't control that. And there's definitely been times that that's happened. I can't control if there's one really rude person on the front row that I can see. So I cannot focus on that one person if that's the case. And I'm just, you know, ballparking this in, in a way that I hope translates to wherever you are also as you're listening, but not focusing on that negative and then affirming what I know I did, affirming the things that I can believe in myself and not affirming I'm going to be the best speaker they've ever heard in their entire life. Like, that may or may not be true, but I know that I'm going to put my whole heart into it and they're going to walk away with something great. And I know that. I know that yeah. because I put the work in, right? So affirming what I know and affirming that, that kind of self-talk that is actually life-giving because you're pointing out what's good. You're pointing out what you've poured into and you're not just, you know, making a wish and wishing on a penny that I'm going to be a professional basketball player tomorrow because that's not going to work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Self-talk, I'm all about that. I think that's very important. And, you know, when I coached, I would tell my kids for those 10 minutes or that hour and a half or however long you're performing, you are the best in the room and you have to feel that. You don't have to tell yourself, I'm going to win this entire tournament in Dallas, Texas. That's really hard. Like you, you are the best in the room in that time. You, you know, you did the work and you hold on to, and you let yourself believe because if you listen, like you said, if you listen to the negative self-talk, if you listen to the, oh my gosh, it's my first big tournament or um, I've not spoken in front of 2000 people before. If you listen to that and it, it gets in your brain, you're going to squash your ability to give yourself affirming talk, which is why your notes in the phone is a good hack. Because if you, I mean, how often do I let what I, you know, that listening kind of override what I should be saying to myself? Yeah. Yeah. We all, I mean, we all do, right? We all do. 
But, um, you know, going back to that focus piece, what if when you go into the room to speak that rather than and acknowledge the one who's in the front row that, you know, sure. negative Nancy, right? Yeah. But focus on one person to your left, one in center and one in right that are nodding mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. smiling and mm-hmm. making eye contact, right? So we can't... Um, if we focus on, like they say, a downhill skier, if a downhill skier focuses on the trees, what are they going to do? Got to hit a tree. Hit the tree, right? Yeah. yeah. So they need to focus on what they want. The path right? in front. The path, the, the snow. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Okay. So I have focus. I have self-talk. Self-talk. Yeah. And my third one that I'll leave in this category is big body language. Mm. And and this goes a little bit with your uh, remind me, believe it as you brave it. Yeah. Yes. But just, you know, walking into the rooms with our shoulders back and our head up and, um, you know, using that self-talk and and for athletes, that's um, my specialty. You know, it's it's walking up with a nod and maybe even the bat at the pitcher and that kind of real confident nod versus walking up with we call it a loser's limp. But if if I'm walking up like this, right, right how does that down. impact yeah. what I'm going to do? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, 55 percent of your message is nonverbal communication. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't matter what you say or how you say it near as much as how you look when you say it. So, of course, your posture, your stance, your eye contact or lack thereof, those those pieces are crazy important um, in, in conversation in general. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nonverbal communication. Those are so powerful. Okay, I loved this. Man, I know we kind of went down two different paths, but there's just so much knowledge in your brain that I know we could tap into and spend so much time on. So thank you so much for letting us kind of go two different ways because what you've shared is so impactful. And I hope that the team pieces that you've heard Becky talk about today feel like nuggets that you can take into your team, no matter who your team is, whether it's in the classroom, the boardroom, or in your living room, because there's nuggets there that can make your team work as a team, create better team culture, and improve your leadership skills, which is what we're here for. Okay. So Becky, Top three takeaways from our time together. What do you hope we remember most? Yeah. And some of these we talked about, some of them we didn't dip into yet, but I'll still leave your viewers with this. Um, So I love your invest in your people. So number one, invest in your people and make sure that your people are on your bus and on your team and moving in that same direction. And here's maybe where this is an unpopular opinion, Julie, is when someone is not on our bus with their words and actions, right? That out of love, our job as leaders, as managers, as head coaches, is maybe there's another better bus out there for each. And to remove those people from yep. your bus out of yep. love, that there may be a better bus out there for them. That's, oh my gosh. And I love, I know, I know I'm doing like the top three takeaways, but five second sidebar. I had a conversation with a leader yesterday, just yesterday. And she was like, I think I'm not in the right space anymore. Like go get them sister. It's okay to not be okay where you're at and move on to somewhere else because that bus is not taking you where you want to go. Yeah. It's not a popular opinion. I'm glad you led with that too. Cause I always hate saying it's okay to, not be there. You don't have to just 
keep muddying through a bad person or the wrong bus. I love that you said yeah. that. Okay. And maybe they're not even a bad person, but in this moment, their words and actions aren't right. on your bus moving That's in the much direction way that your team it. is moving. And the truth right. is, is the team is not going to be as successful in business, in education, nor in sport. If there are some on the bus that their words and actions are going in the opposite direction, uh-huh. right? So obviously after performance improvement plans, but again, out of love, there may be a better bus out there for them. And again, out of love that uh, sometimes we learn more by not getting the job. Mm-hmm. So there's my number one. I love it. Number two um, is, and we didn't talk about this yet, but just to view a challenge, uh, to view failure as a comma in our success story and give, I think in, in the United States, like we're uh, really against any sort of failure, right? But what if we could give our people permission to fail and that life isn't a success only journey, right? We can learn so much from those failures. Exactly. So for me as a newer entrepreneur, I'm excited to step out and fail because I'll learn from it and I'll be better next time. That's beautiful. And great words of wisdom. Try and fail, but don't fail to try. John Quincy Adams. It's one of my favorite quotes. I'm all in. Okay. Number three. Okay. Number three is, and you and I have talked about this before, but um, it's just people before profits in business and people before wins in athletics. And when we do that, the profits will follow and the wins will follow. I agree wholeheartedly. And that's also sometimes an unpopular opinion. Mm -hmm. I have, I definitely have people that buck me on that. They don't, they don't always believe that the relationships with their people are going to create success. And it's hard. It's hard to invest in your people instead of what you think is going to drive that data or those success rates faster because it's, it's, but it's short-sighted to not see how big of a part your people play in that data and then those success rates. So I'm all in for that, of course. And we, and we can I, keep data on that, right? We can keep yes. data on the yes. profits following. Yes, yes. Yes. But take a leap and invest in your people. And then let's see mm-hmm. how that works. I love that you said that. I'm glad that we can agree on our uh, unpopular opinions. And I want everyone to know I did not pick Becky because she has unpopular opinions that agreed with mine. <laughs> but I do love that there's someone else saying that. I think that's important. All right. What about a challenge for the week? What do you challenge our audience with? Yeah, I challenge your viewers, uh, and I've been doing this lately, but is to politely get up and excuse yourself or walk away when others in your environment are complaining or talking negatively about others. And what that does for our own heart is remarkable. Mm-hmm. So there's my my win the week challenge for your viewers. That's a great challenge. And And it's so important when you're working as a team or working to grow a team or working to make your team better to really see the impact of taking a stand against negativity, not, not leaning into gossip, not leaning into negativity, talking about other people or, I don't know, just creating a space that isn't the kind of culture you want to be a part of. And in order for you to take a stand for that, you have to be willing to get up from the table. <laughs> Just sitting there listening, you might as well be a part of it. I love that. That's so good. That's worth telling everyone. Yep. You don't have to be on it. That's my advice for my small children. That's a perfect challenge. 
Yeah. Okay, and favorite I, you know, quote. I've been doing that. You know, if I'm yes. uh, at a neighborhood barbecue or a baseball game. But it's just remarkable what it does for your own heart. So and that's hard to do. To pour into your people. Yes. It could be hard to do. Mm-hmm. But it's it's impactful. Yes. Mm-hmm. How do you want to be seen and known? That's important to think about as you make those yes. decisions. If you sit in that conversation or not, that's beautiful. Okay. Your favorite quote. I love this part. Uh, yeah, I had a couple here, but I'll share... Um, and this is from Natalie Walsh, the head coach of the University of Illinois. Mm. And her quote is just, you're enough. And uh, that there's nothing that our student athletes are going to go do on the gym, the court, the field mm. that makes them more enough or less enough. Mm. And same with uh, in business, right? That just you're enough. You're born enough. And what if we could all look at ourselves and our people like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, your job does not define you. Your team does not define you. You're enough. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. Becky, thank you for today. Thank you for all the golden nuggets that you gave to us. Thank you for the work you're doing to change incredible athletic programs to care more about their people than their wins. You're doing great work and you you make a huge difference. All right, so tune in next week and have a great one. Hey, thanks for listening and being my people. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, hook me up with a five-star review. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to the People Priority Podcast so you don't miss out on more tips, tricks, and important reminders. I'll see you next week.